Let me share this with you. Uh, after, you remember what we talked about last week? We talked about the tests that you can use for um, uh, false teachers. And if you remember, we had the Bible test. Does what they say mesh with the Word of God? We had the confession test. In other words, do they believe they're sinners? Uh, are they, uh, or do they believe they're beyond reproach? In that if their gift or their message, you can't question it. Okay? Uh, another test is the connection test. Where are they a part of the body of Christ? If someone says to me, we have a word uh, for your church, but we're not a part of any church, I'm going to have a hard time receiving that word. We have the, uh, the worldly test. Is their word popular? Or is it something that, that the world embraces? Like, oh, we love that. Because, you know, like sometimes the word of the Lord would have, you, would have a message or word or something that's challenging, right? And, and then is it the real Jesus test? Uh, do they believe Jesus to be fully God and fully man? Or do they believe him to be just a prophet or uh, 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 just a man who became God? And so uh, remember that test? You guys remember that? Um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> as soon as service was over, as soon as service was over, I mean, I didn't make it past right here. And let me just say this about this, is that when people hover around me, I get nervous, especially when I'm talking to someone and I'm ministering to someone People hover. I don't know why. Does that happen to you? Like you're trying to talk to somebody, administer, and someone's just hovering. And it's like they're all in your, and i got pretty good peripheral vision. That comes from basketball. Like I can see the ball over there and my man right here. Anyway, um, I'm like, and I'm like, and like the more they hover, the more I'm turning because I don't even want to be distracted because I'm trying to talk to someone, pray with someone. And it's almost like what, who I'm talking to doesn't matter because what they have to say is so important. And I'm like, Yo, back up, all right? I want to talk to you, but you can't hover. Is that just me? No? Okay, thank you, one. Thank you, sis. I appreciate that. So anyway, they, they and, and then finally, i like, okay, and then I turn and boom, and it's like, oh, hi. Hey, listen, we are a part of the CLF conference in, can you go to a conference next week, next weekend, this weekend in Los Angeles? And I go, huh? And, and, like, and they're Korean. No disrespect to any Koreans in here, but remember last week we talked about the Unification Church, Reverend Sung Young Moon, birthed out of Korea. No, 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 I'm not, and I'm already, already a little bit nervous already. And they say, oh, we're a part of this, this movement, and we're having this, this um, uh, Christian leadership fellowship in Los Angeles, and we want you to come. Can we put you down to come? I go, I go, wait, wait, hold on. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. Oh, we're a part of this church and we're from, are you guys Korean? They go, yes, we're Korean. I go, Joseph, come here, bro, come here. These, and they go, oh, is he Korean? I'm like, yes. How do you not know? That, right? And, 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 and so, and oh, we want you to come to this. I go, wait a minute, time out, time out. First of all, who's Jesus? Oh, Jesus is our savior. I go, who else? Is that it? Is, he, is there any other way to God besides, besides Jesus? No, Jesus is our Savior. He's the only way to God. And I go, okay, you passed the real Jesus test. Okay? And then I said, so, so, um, I said, so, so who's the leader of your group? Yeah, who's the leader? And they go, oh, uh, Pastor Oak Soul Park. And I go, Oak Soul Park? I'm not familiar with him. 
Uh, yeah, well, I go, wait a second. Let me just ask you guys a question. Are you connected with the Unification Church? Oh, no, no, no. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you know? And they're like, no, no, no. And I'm like, were you guys here last service? Were you here at first service? Were you guys here? They go, no, we weren't here. I go, oh, okay. So you didn't hear that whole part about, about uh, uh, and, and by the way, you just passed the connection test. Because what you told me, you just told me that you didn't even take the time to sit and hear what I have to say. You don't even know who I am. For all you know, my doctrine is false. And you're inviting me to a leadership seminar. And you want me to sign your paper, go to Los Angeles. But don't get me wrong, I love L.A. I love me some L.A. I do. I love SoCal. I'll go any opportunity I can. And you want my... And then they ask for my phone number. So I give them the church phone number. And they go, is this your personal number? I go, no. I don't even know you. I'm not going to give you my cell number. Right? And they're, oh, please, try to come. I said, I said, with all due respect, I already told you I can't go to L.A. I mean, how you go? I'm like, how you? Right? And, and it's what's amazing to me as the very day that we talk about this, these tests, some people come in and it's like, are these, is this legit? It seems like they passed the Jesus test. I think they have the right Jesus. But it also turns out, as I do a little more research on them, that most uh, evangelical, Korean in particular, consider them a cult because, because they believe that once you ask forgiveness for sin, you never have to ask again. They fail 1 John chapter 1, verse 8 and 9. They fail that test, right? And they fail the connection test because I don't know where these folks are, who they're connected. They certainly weren't. Listen, if you're going to invite me to L.A. for a weekend, first of all, offer to pay my hotel fare. Hallelujah. Somebody say, no? <laughs> okay, maybe not. And then, and then second of all, at least at least pass the connection test and say we sat in your service and we, you know, we agree with your doctrine or something. I could be a cultist for all they know. And so I just, I was very leery. But it was amazing to me that, at, I mean, I hadn't even said amen and walked down the stage and there they are. It's amazing. But it reaffirmed the false teacher test. It just reaffirmed it. <clears throat> These people fail the confession test because they don't believe they have to ask God for forgiveness. Man, I got to ask the Lord for forgiveness daily, multiple times. If we say we are without sin, we are a liar and the truth is not in us. They fail the connection test. So I just thought that was very interesting. I couldn't wait to share that with you. I was pretty excited to share that with you this morning. And I also want to share this with you. I've been burning the candle at both ends. It's been an incredibly busy week. And don't get it twisted. I don't, I don't, I don't value busyness at all. I think we blew it as a nation by not having a siesta. I don't know how we didn't pick, that, pick up on that. American ingenuity, how do we not take two hours off in the afternoon? What's wrong with us, right? Uh, I don't value busyness at all. I would just as soon be at home chilling, doing nothing. I can do nothing and be cool with it. 
What you doing today, man? Nothing. Not one thing. But I do want to work hard. But it's just the last five days have been crazy. And you know what? This morning, I didn't even get a chance to enter into worship. I came in here during the last song. And I apologize for that. Because I want to be able to come in here and I want to worship with you. And I want to worship to my God. And sometimes it's just one thing after another after another. And uh, I'm, I'm pressed. Someone said, how are you doing? You know, my, I'm pressed. I mean, I got some great things I want to share with you. But I, want to just, I just want to tell you that sometimes it just gets crazy. And I'm good with boundaries and saying no and all that other stuff. But it's just been a crazy couple of days. Right. And so I wanted to just confess that to you. And I also want to encourage you that a big part of what we're going to talk about today is getting some quiet time with God, getting alone with him without the phone, unless that's your Bible, but without all the stuff going on, because life just happens so fast. And you're here then pretty soon. You haven't even you haven't even acknowledged God. You haven't even talked to God. You know, I mean, you come I come to church on Sunday and I don't even get a chance to sit and worship. You know, and I'm worshiping through the week. Don't get it wrong. I'm worshiping all you know, Saturday till late in the night. Right. But that kind of a lifestyle is why a lot of people leave the ministry. It can happen very easily. That's a that's a closet, dear. That doesn't go anywhere. Oh, I'm sorry. OK. <laughs> oh. oh, perfect. Um, all right. So with that, let's pray. Let's all stand up. Yes, ma'am. Ah, we don't have time, sister. Of course, of course, of course. No, I, I, she asked if some of the men could come and pray for me, and I'm never going to say no to that. So let's all stand together. Let's all stand together. And, uh, and yeah, I'll receive that. I'll receive that. Now, you guys bear witness with it, because I know what happens in all of our lives, right? Thanks, man. Father, how often we can get busy and things can get blurred. And we just pray for our brother right now, Pastor Ricky, that you would make his, his uh, focus clear. Lord, that you would calm his spirit, that you would calm his mind, his heart, his body, and that he would have that rest that he needs to be able to do the things that you are calling him and his wife to do. We just thank you for his, his confession this morning. And as a body, we come together, we envelop him right now with your love. We are your hands, we're your feet, we're your voice right now. And and just speak a a blessing in his life, a blessing in his marriage, a blessing in his family. We thank you for just for the the years of, of just being here, the years of just serving you and serving this body. And we're so grateful. And we thank you for what you're going to do today through his word, but also what you're going to do the rest of this year and the years to come. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. So we just praise you. We thank you. We glorify you in Jesus' name. And the body said, amen. 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 Thanks, brother. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Appreciate you, bro. Glad I pay Richie Steves and balance and you're not become a marker in Jesus' name. Amen to that. Amen to that. Now, let me just say this. That right there, it is incredibly difficult to, t- to say stuff like that. As a man, number one, and number because you're always supposed to be on top of your game.
And because, you know what, transparency is, uh, uh, is, is not always something that's easy for us. But I, and I was not planning on telling you that until, I, until it, I just felt like that's what God put on my heart. So there it is, all right? All right, now, <clears throat> we are in 1 John chapter 2, verse 23. I'm going to read it to you, and then we'll break it apart, right, in the few remaining moments that I have. Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. and The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. This is the promise which He Himself made to us. Everybody say it. Eternal life. Verse 26, these things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to what? Deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. Let me just read that again. I can't believe John just said that time out. I can't. What? Wait a second. Hold on. He just put me out of a job. Let me read it again. You have no need for anyone to teach you but his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie and just as it has taught you you abide in him in him verse 28 now little children abide in him so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming if you know that he is righteous you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. All right, so verse 23 uh, is, and, and I kind of went back from what we talked about last week, and, and basically he's, he's shifting gears and says, therefore, in light of the danger of false teachers, and, and, and how many of you would agree there are as many false teachers, if not more, today than even then? You know, and that's because of the Internet, and it's just because 2,000 years later, people have got false teaching down to a science. Okay? So, therefore, in light of that, in danger of the spirit of the Antichrist, verse 23 and 24, uh, we protect ourselves against the spirit of Antichrist, he says, by abiding in what I'm calling the OG message, or the OG, uh, uh, the original gospel. Verse 23 says, Whoever denies the Son does not have the Father. The one who confesses the Son has the Father also. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. So this message is entitled First uh, John uh, chapter 2, verse 24, and then parts beyond, Abiding in the O.G., Abiding in the OG. Yeah, the original gospel. Right? So, um, uh, what did they hear from the beginning? That was the first question I asked. Well, what is it that they heard? Well, it tells us in uh, uh, verse 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 1, concerning the word of life, verse 2, and, and the life was manifested, and we have seen 
and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life. That's Jesus. That's the original gospel, the OG. Verse 5 says, this is the message which we have heard from him, Jesus, and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. That's part of the OG, the original gospel. Chapter 3, verse 11 says, For this is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. And we'll get to that in the weeks to come. Listen, we are always attracted to something new. Right? Unless, of course, you're an antique specialist, which you're attracted to something old. I was thinking about this, and I wish I had the foresight in 1982 to keep the old tennis shoes that we used to get at UNLV. We were, this is a little bit of trivia for you. If you're not a sports fan, check your brain out right now. We were the first college team to get sponsored by a shoe company because a guy who was a legend in the, in the high school basketball uh, world and a close friend with Coach Tarkanians uh, started working at Nike. And this was before Michael Jordan days. And he said, why are we charging these schools to wear tennis shoes? Why don't we just give them to them? And they went, what? And he's like, think about it. You're going to have the entire team and coaching staff wearing your shoes. What better advertising can you have? And Nike went, hmm. Well, do you know any coaches? He goes, let me call my man in Vegas, Coach Tarkanian. And so there, we were the first college team. My freshman year, 1978, uh, so, uh, loud and proud, I, I, yeah, do the math, I don't even care, right? <laughs> I'm still standing, that's good enough for me. Uh, he, um, uh, we were the first team to be sponsored, and, and, and I was thinking about, oh, how I wish, like in 1982, that I would have had the foresight to say, hey man, I'm going to take one pair of tennis shoes, and I'm telling you, in 40 years, they're going to be worth something. Those are the OG tennis shoes right there. Leather. <laughs> oh, come on. Come on. You know the shoes I buy today? You know how I, the first thing I do? They got to pass the smell test. I'm like, whoo, I got to put these things outside for three days just to get the fumes off of them. Yeah. I wish I would have kept a pair of those. But newer is better. You give me a pair of 1982 uh, Nikes prior to Air Jordan or a, a brand new pair of Air Jordans, give me the 40-year-old shoes, and I'll rock them like, woo! You'd be like, where'd you get those? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't get these no more. Anyway, I'll probably sell them on eBay. <laughs> we think new is better. We almost always think new is better. But when it comes to the truth of the Word of God, new is not better. He says, that which you heard from the beginning is better. In fact, if newer is better, how can truth ever be established? There are religious systems and, and false teachers. One of the marks of a false teacher is it will always change their doctrine. There is something that a council of elders or a, a, a leader will say, we have, quote unquote, new vision or new life. This is one of the fundamental problems that our Mormon LDS friends have. Because you can't tell me that in 1960, black people could not be in your priesthood because of their black skin. And then you can't tell me in 1975, somebody had a vision and now it's okay. That's a 
philosophical problem that they cannot explain away. Because you and I both know that when you have an organization that at least some of their leadership have the bases of racism cannot continue to exist in this country. And so somebody had a vision. How do you establish truth if someone changes, something changes? Hey, when it comes to the, to the Word of God, when it comes to the, the gospel, beware if it's a new teaching or if a new philosophy or something that's new light. Beware. Because you know what I want? I want the OG. I want the original gospel. How about you? Galatians chapter, some of you, amen. Galatians chapter 1, Paul the Apostle Hear the emotion in his words to the church at Galatia. He says, I am astonished, Amplified Bible, I'm astonished and extremely irritated that you have so quickly, uh, are so quickly shifting your allegiance and deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different, even contrary gospel, which is really not another gospel. But there are obviously some people uh, uh, masquerading as teachers who are disturbing and confusing you with what? A misleading, counterfeit teaching and want to distort the gospel of Christ, twisting it into something which is absolutely is not. Now, listen, Paul says, and you can can feel the intensity in this. He is fired up. It's like he wants to leap through the pages and grab a hold of the Galatians. And he's saying, what's wrong with you? And he says this, And this is as strong as Paul the Apostle makes any statement in the Bible. And he says, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to that which we, what? What's that word? That's the OG gospel. Originally preached to you, let him be condemned to destruct, let him be cursed. As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel different than uh, from what uh, which you received from us, let him be condemned to destruction. Here's the first action point I want to give you, and that is that we abide in what we heard from the beginning when we stay in the book. We abide in what we heard from the beginning when we stay in the Word of God. We are told to abide in that which we heard from the beginning, that is the Word of God, and we abide in what we heard from the beginning when we stay uh, in our Bibles. It doesn't mean abide in the first things you heard when you are a new believer. It means abide in the Word of God, the O.G., what does it mean to abide? John, the apostle, will use this term six times in verse 24 through 28 alone, and it's used 19 times in the book of 1 John, abiding. Well, what does it mean? It means to remain. It means to hold fast. Uh, not to be uh, entangled in the Gnostic heresy or the false doctrine of the day regarding the person of Jesus to say that Jesus really wasn't a man. Because, because if he had flesh, he was sinful. And, and, and Jesus was absolutely man. Uh, we should have that attitude towards it also, that, that it will also feel at home in him. Uh, Weist says this, we stay in the word and the word stays in us. Uh, the word of God, not only are we to remain and to hold fast in it, 
that we should have an attitude that the Word of God is at home in us. It, uh, he says, we does in word studies in the Greek New Testament, this is fundamental. You talk about books that I, that's a cool book, man. We, uh, there's four of them, get, get them. It says, it is our responsibility to nurture the stability and growth of those doctrines by a holy life and determination to cling to them and remain true to them. So it's, it's, a, it's remaining and holding fast the word of God but action point two, it's not just knowing the word, but it's living out the word. It's not just knowing the word, but it's living out. It is knowing the word, and we're going to get to uh, uh, that word, but, but it's also that word abiding in you. So it's to the point that you're living out the word. Does that make sense? Colossians 3.16 says this in the Amplified Bible, let the spoken word of Christ have its home within you. That is dwelling in your heart and mind, permeating every aspect of your being. See, that's the word of God abiding in you, at home in you. And admonish and train one another with all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Notice that he doesn't say, if you know the word, the word abides in you. You will also, he's, he doesn't say, if you know the word, you also will abide in the son and the father. No, he says, if what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the son and the father. Here's the key. Knowledge doesn't always lead to abiding. Because you can, take a semi, you can take a college course of contemporary religion and have to study the Word of God and pass a test on it, but that doesn't mean the Word of God is abiding in you. Do you see that difference? Don't miss it. And he goes on, he talks about the promise, verse 25. This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. He uses that phraseology of eternal life six times the old preacher used to say let repetition be reinforcement so that's why when you're studying your bible you look for repeated words or repeated terms abide used 19 times in the book that's repetition because sometimes uh, you know god the spirit knows we need to hear it again <laughs> so uh that's like the old preacher who uh, 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 taught on repentance every Sunday at his church. Every Sunday. And it's like somebody went to him and said, hey, w when are you going to teach on something else other than repentance? And he says, well, as soon as my people repent, we'll move on. <laughs> yeah, let repetition be reinforcement. So he uses this word six times. All right? Eternal life. Notice what it is. It's a promise. It's a promise that he made himself to us. Chapter 5, verse 13, one of those other illustrations or places he uses it says, These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, which represents all that Jesus Christ is and does, so that you will what? Say it like you mean it, church, so that you will know. Now, what does that mean? With settled and absolute knowledge. 
that you already have eternal life. No, man, eternal life happens after you die. John says, no, I've written these things to you that you may know here and now that you already have eternal life. Because when you know what the future holds and you know where you're headed, that changes how you live today. It's not like, I hope, oh man, had a bad day today. I don't know. Am I in the kingdom? Am I out of the kingdom? He says that you know. Here's the faith point. If you've settled the belief issue, you believe, and you've settled the abiding Christ issue, okay? Listen, stop doubting your salvation. Stop it. You you cancel and you minimize, we cancel and minimize the word of God. When we say, well, I don't know if I'm a Christian. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Are you in your word? Are you abiding? Yes, I'm abiding. Well, stop doubting. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. We already know that. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you always get it right. It doesn't mean that we're still messed up people in a messed up world. We already know that. But the salvation issue is settled. That's what John is trying to reiterate to these people. Stop doubting it. It goes on in verse 26, and he says, These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him, what does it do? It abides in you. And you have no need for... I shudder to say this. It's in the Word. we got to preach the whole counsel of the Word. You have no, teacher, said amen. You have no, teachers in a Christian school. And you know the word says we have no need of anyone to teach us? Yeah, you'll be with me in any other point line, sister. I'm kidding. You have no need of anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things and is true, is not a lie, and just that as it has taught you, you abide in him. So let me talk about the anointing. <gasps> the anointing. Oh, anointed one. You. The anointing. I think there's some misconceptions about what the anointing is. I think sometimes in our fervor for emotional hype, we think emotion, that the anointing is something you catch. Hmm, I use that word on purpose. I've heard it said, catch the anointing, woo, and someone falls over. Listen, I'm not against people falling over necessarily. I am more concerned about what happens when they get up. I mean, you're going to fall over on Sunday night, you better be on fire Monday morning. (laughs) If you're not, I'm questioning the whole experience. Now, I'm not the judge. It hasn't happened to me, but I'm not against it. I'm 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 not like, what? But it gets a little weird sometimes when they start saying, who wants the anointing? And the people are running to the front to receive something from someone. And I've even seen it where it's a whole section. And someone has said, receive the anointing. And everybody just kind of fell out all over the place. And I'm like, wait, time out. Yo, what, what, is, what is that? And how about dude in the back didn't catch it? Was, did he miss it? Did he, was he resist? Is there sin in his? I mean, like, I don't know. I don't. I don't think that's what the Bible means when it talks about anointing. 
I just don't think that's it. I don't think, I don't think the anointing is something that is a marketing gimmick or something to cause people to think God's spirit really moved because there was the anointing. Oh, the anointed one, him. Well, be careful with that. People are anointed. We will see that. Chapter 2, verse 20, Paul, uh, John says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. This is not the, but an anointing from the Holy One. You have been set apart, specifically gifted, and prepared by the Holy Spirit. That's an anointing. We're talking about spiritual gifts. People are anointed with various spiritual gifts. And all of you know the, know the truth because he teaches us, illuminates our minds, and guards us from error. Okay. Verse 27, chapter 2, verse 27. As for you, the anointing, not an anointing, the anointing, that is the special gift or the preparation which you receive from us remains permanently in you. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. All right. He's contrasting the believers from the false teachers because he says, now as for you, all right, and the word is, in, in Greek language, is, is kata ikizo. Kata ikizo. And the kata means down, uh, uh, taking up, down and taking up residency in believers. He remains, the anointing remains permanently in you. Permanently. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, in Psalm 5111, King David said, said this. He said, take not your Holy Spirit from me. And the reason he said that was because in the Old Testament, the anointing would come upon someone. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. You read about the life of Samson, and Samson, the Holy Spirit would come upon him, and he'd do something. It wasn't that he was, you know, uh, in the gym working out doing 500-pound squats. Uh, I would venture to guess to you that Samson, if you put him in a weight room, would be average. But I also would submit to you when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he lifted up the whole room. That was the source of his strength. We see pictures of him, he's all like, <sighs> I don't know. He could have been a tall, scrawny dude. Much like myself, you know. <laughs> that sounds more like God to me, but he could, I mean, I don't know. Anyway, but the anointing in the Old Testament resided upon people, but then it wasn't permanent. And this is the point he's trying to make, is that this anointing is, is continuous. Uh, uh, you don't always need someone to teach you. Why? Because the anointing, the Holy Spirit, abides in you and the word teach is a constant action verb so what john is saying is that you don't need to constantly have anyone constantly teaching you can you say amen to that that is jolly good teaching right there john he's saying listen church you don't need constantly someone else to be constantly teaching you in it teacher in no way minimizes the gift of teaching which we will learn about at the spiritual gift seminar god gifted anointed teachers in the church 
are necessary. But, John says, these believers are not at the mercy of the Gnostic teachers and the false teachers or any other teachers. Here's faith point number two. No teacher, not even a godly teacher, should be the your only or ultimate source of instruction from the Word of God. Can you say amen to that? Come on! No teach, no one person, no one a group of people should be your constant, ultimate source of instruction from the Word of God. Why? Because we have the Word of God. And we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit residing in us permanently to one of the things he does is he teaches us and he keeps us from error. Why do people get sucked up into cults? Because they do not know their word. And it might be that the Holy Spirit is not abiding in them. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. And if he's not abiding in you, you are subject to error. Chapter 2, verse 20, And all of you know the truth because he teaches us, eliminates our minds, and guards us from error. His anointing teaches you about all things. His anointing is true and is not a lie. And you abide in him. This will keep us from false doctrine and from getting sucked into cults because they all have someone or a group of people who exercise absolute authority. And the moment you question them, you'll be, you'll be expelled, disfellowshipped, or excommunicated from their group because you are not to question their authority. That is how people get sucked up into these groups. Don't question. Don't question. You'll be on the way out if you do. David Wilkerson, one of my spiritual heroes, gone on to be the Lord, gone on to be with the Lord some so many years ago. He uh, he once had a, I was listening to him speak. And he talked about someone who came to him after one of his teachings and he was anointed speaker. You know what I mean by that now, right? You know what I mean by that? Gifted. I mean, like, Nicky Cruz, run, run, Nicky, run. Oh, man. Anyway, he, um, uh, he said someone had come to him and he said, Pastor, Pastor Wilkerson, I've come from across the nation because I believe that God has given you a word from me. And he looked at him and said, God has given me a word for you. Go home and get in your prayer closet and ask God to speak to you. Can someone say amen? Amen. How many of you know that was a long flight home for that brother? I'm almost done. Verse 28. Now, little children, abide in him. We know what that means. So that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. 
If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. Abide in him. The word says be constantly abiding in him. Stay close, anticipating his return. You know, if we really believe Jesus could come at any moment, it might change the way we live our lives. It might. It might. When he pierces the sky and we see him face to face, woo, might change some things. So, <clears throat> that gives us the confidence. Abiding in him allows us freedom in speaking, unreservedness in speech, free and fearless confidence. Cheerful courage, boldness, and assurance. Walk in the light as he himself, as in the light. To abide in him means there's no shame, and, and, and to not be ashamed at his, when he appears, it means that, that I'm, I'm walking in the light. I have no shame in my game. Uh, it, it, when Christ comes back, I'm going to be like right in the middle of sin. When the church gets raptured, right? Oh, man. No. How do you do that? How do you abide in him? Uh, check in daily with the Lord a few times a day. Check in daily a few times a day. Get some time alone with him. We call it quiet time. Get some time alone with him every day. I was listening to a CEO at Apple who's a follower of Jesus at this leadership conference we went to. I'll write her name down for next session. She's, she's a CEO at Apple. And, and when they read the list of everything she does, I thought, how can one person do that? And you know what she said? She goes, it starts every day. I spend an hour quiet with the Lord. Every day one hour and she wasn't boasting she was just answering the question you asked me how i'm able to do so much at work it's because i spend an hour with the lord every day <laughs> write it down dude that's a great great program check in daily a few times today ask for grace to stay yielded and depend on the holy spirit to show us the sin that's in our lives that's how we abide in him now he says <clears throat> That we are born of him. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. And that word is in a born is in a is in a perfect tense. It's a past completed action having present results, which means this having been born with the present result that you are a child of God by birth. You know what that tells me? That tells me God is my father. And you know what? It ain't going to change. I'm going to have a little tea here. A little pick-me-up. Just a little something, something. Keep that there. Uh, I'm trusting the water in this thing hasn't been there for a month, you know, that it's all right. <laughs> but we just boiled it, so. Um, you can join me for a little tea in the back. A spot of tea, if, you, if you'd like to. Boy, I tied this thing around here real good. Anyway, do you, do you, 
um, we're talking about abiding, right? And, and I was thinking, I, I need an illustration. And I think this is pretty good right here. See, you know, that hibiscus tea, it turns things different colors. So um, I would say that the tea is abiding in the water. Would you say that? I wouldn't say the water is abiding in the tea. I, I would say, I would say that, that the two are becoming one. Like, have you ever gone to a restaurant and heard someone say, what would you like to drink? Well, I would like, I would like hot water, but I want you to put tea in it. Well, you mean tea? No, no, no. I want hot water, but I want you to put tea in it. Yeah, we call that tea. We don't call it hot water plus tea. And it's because the tea so takes on uh, oh, the water so takes on the characteristics, the flavor, the, 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 the stuff that's locked up in that tea bag that it becomes one. That's what abiding is. This is abiding. See, see I look at you, and, and I don't just see you. I see the Spirit of God. I see Jesus in you because you're abiding in him. And guess what? There's probably some scientists who can separate the two. Now, let it seep for an hour, and I'll separate the two. I mean, I mean, you could probably do that. I don't know. I don't know how you do that. But, but my point is, is that nothing can separate you from the love of God. And I want to stress this one word to you this morning as I close. Permanent. The Holy Spirit of God abides in you permanently. And it's not like, oh, man, I'm in sin right now. I wonder if the Spirit of God's in me. Would you quit that? He is. And a reminder of that helps us to walk in a way that is worthy of the Lord. Um, <clears throat> as for me, I want to buy in the OG, the original gospel. I want to read the Word of God before I read anybody else. I have this thing that I have to do because I, I love Jay Sekulow and, and the a, uh, ACLJ. Sometimes in the morning, man, I can't wait to hear what old Jay has to say. But I made myself this rule, self-imposed, that I will not listen to his podcast or his radio program until I've read the Word of God first. Because I don't want to burn 20 minutes listening to old Jay, who I love, when I haven't listened to the one who's abiding in me. Can you say amen to that? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your great plan of salvation. We thank you, God, that you abide in us. And that we can rest in that. That we can, we can, oh, dare I say, we can kick back our, uh, uh, put up our heel, our, our, our feet and just rest in you and enjoy you and not always feel like we're, we're pressed to do this or do that or do the other. And, oh, I haven't read. I haven't prayed. I haven't done this. I, have, and I just think you just say, man, will you just abide in me? Will you just stop thinking that your performance is going to make me love you more? Would you just chill and rest in my love for you? 
Would you just enjoy the Holy Spirit who lives in you like tea lives in water?